0: My name is Holly Lemna, I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. Um, on the outside it would appear that I have it all together. A dream life. I have a wonderful husband, amazing kids, a big house, um, vacation home, fancy cars, nice clothes, a life greater than I could have ever imagined. But all the while, as I'm sharing this, I was bound by the chains of addiction. I was born and raised in Munsey. I have my family has a long line of alcohol abuse on both sides. I had my first drink at the age of three at the hands of my dad. Um, Our home was not a loving home. No affection, no emotion, nothing was allowed. As I got older, you would say I was a social drinker, but I could drink everybody under the table, which is not necessarily a good sign. At the time, you know, everybody thinks that's really cool, but it's not a cool thing. Um, As an adult, my life was crazy busy. I was a mom full time full-time work with Jamie we had one boy in college one boy a senior in high school we were expecting our first grandchild and then I got the phone call that changed my life my dad had seized and um, he had a brain tumor and they gave him 90 days to live with or without chemo and so the 90 days were brutal and I took care of my dad I didn't even have time to think let alone eat, let alone take care of myself. So what I started doing was I would come home and I'd drink a glass of wine and I'd go to bed. Um, After dad passed away, I wasn't sure what I was feeling. I just knew I didn't want to feel it anymore. And so instead of drinking one glass of wine, I would drink two glasses of wine. And then it just slowly started progressing like I would be drinking wine while I was cooking. And then I would still have my two glasses. And then you know later on it progressed into bottles of wine. My mom wasn't in good health after my dad passed away. She moved close so I could take care of her. Even though my mom was sick all those years, she died very unexpectedly. And when she died, I literally went off the rails. Like my drinking was off the rails. I was a full blown alcoholic. I was addicted far before I ever knew I was addicted. I didn't even recognize the person in the mirror anymore. I would lie, I would steal, I would manipulate people. I decided to go to treatment to get help, but I went for the wrong reasons. I went to spite my dad, who would never go. and so I would go for, I went for my dad, I went for my family. I went to get people off my back. I just went and it didn't stick. I did I wasn't vested. I've been in treatment a total of six times. I've had multiple DUIs and I've been I've spent time in jail. The day that I got arrested outside of the jar. I actually was late coming to church. I wasn't gonna to come to church that day for some reason, and I don't know why. And Jamie left ahead of me, and I found I still had a whiskey bottle in the house. And I drank it on the way to church. And I pulled up to what was a stop light instead of a stop sign, and I pulled forward into the intersection, and the lady T-boned me. And I panicked, and I left the scene, and I came to church. And they ended up arresting me in the church parking lot, and um, alcohol was winning. Alcohol wasn't my problem anymore. It was my solution to everything. Um, The last thing happened is I got arrested in Huntington County on my way to pick Jamie up from the airport. And I spent 12 days in jail, and that would have been my rock bottom.
1: For almost all of uh, Holly's life, she has been held hostage to the addiction of alcohol. And the temptation that many of you are going to have on the stream, and those of you up in the balcony and everyone on the main floor, is that you'll look at this story today and you'll say, well, I'm not as bad as her. I'm not addicted to that point. This doesn't apply to me. Addiction is something that someone like Holly deals with, but but not me. I I can take a flyer today on this teaching because it doesn't affect me. And yet the truth is, folks, is that every single one of us in this place is addicted to something. The reality is, is that we simply choose not to recognize it. But I have a feeling that if we were to ask your family or those closest to you, what is this person addicted to? They would be able to name it and they would be able to show it to you. Now, let me ask you this morning. How many of you know someone who is addicted to control? Raise your hand if you know someone who is addicted to control. Now, don't point at them, okay? I know how you, that works. Some of you want to point to a person, right? Like, you're like, I'm not the control freak, but they're control freakazoid. Like, that's what they are. Now, how many of you would be honest honest enough, those of you on the stream as well, how many of you would say, I have an addiction to control? Raise your hand high up. Okay. Well, I'm raising my hand because I do. And one of the things that, it even happened last night, I am addicted to the remote control. I do not want the women in my life to take that or choose what we're going to watch. I want to watch it. We had a fight last night. It was all my fault. Why? Because I wanted to be addicted to the remote control. I am. I want to have that kind of control. How many of you are addicted to coffee? Raise your tumbler. Go ahead, raise it high, proud. I see, I see all of you. Yeah, that's what you're addicted to. Um, how many of you are like me? You might be addicted to this. Netflix. Anyone addicted to Netflix? This is when you know you're addicted to Netflix. You're like, oh, that looks like an interesting series. And then you start to watch one episode. And next thing you know, it's episode seven. And you haven't moved. Just keep watching them over and over and over again. Sometimes I can go on binge watching when it comes to Netflix. I can become addicted to that. Folks, you see, the reality is, is that we live in a culture that feeds our addictions. It's constantly telling us to think this, to do that, to act this way, to be addicted to this. And some of us are We're addicted to greed. We're addicted to materialism, to money. Some of you are addicted to shopping. You shop till you drop. You want the clothes. You want the shoes. And you can't afford it. And you're getting deeper in debt. But you do it over and over. And people would say, oh, that's not an issue. No, it is. It's an addiction. That's what you're dealing with. Some of you are addicted to work. Some of you, especially some of you men, You're so addicted to work, that's what you do. You just work, 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 work. You try to find your identity in that. That's what you're addicted to. Anybody addicted to social media? You should raise all of your hands, liars. (laughs) You check and see how much time you spend on social media. Swipe left, swipe right, up, scroll up, scroll down. You do it again and again and again. We're addicted to cigarettes, to food, to sex. We're addicted to lust, to porn, to gossip. Some of you are addicted to complaining or you're addicted to negativity. Some of you are addicted to trying to please somebody else in your life and you spend so much of your life trying to be a people pleaser. Folks, your addiction, my addiction is sin. Sin wants to master us. It wants to be the master of our lives. But I want you to know that it won't just stop with one thing. It'll continue on and on and on. And it wants to control you. It wants to have you. But I have hope for you today. And the hope that I have for you today is that whatever addiction is that you're struggling with, that God actually wants to be able to give you freedom. And rather than you being mastered by your addiction, He wants to flip it around and He wants you to be able to master your addiction. And this is how we do it. The first step to mastering your addiction, and for those of you on the stream, this is your first fill-in. Everybody else fill this in real quick. The first step is to turn to God. To turn to God. Romans chapter 6 says this, Therefore do not let sin reign in your your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. You know, the one thing that every single one of us have in common, everybody on this stream, every human being is this. We're addicted to sin. We're addicted to it. It's reigning in our body. We all sin. But rather it says, offer yourselves to God for sin shall not be your master. It says, if you offer yourselves to God, that sin will not be your master. The Greek word for master is the word uh, kurio, and what it means is to rule over you, to have dominion over you, for it to be the Lord over you. It means to be your Lord. So what Paul, one of Jesus' closest followers, says is that sin should not rule your life. Sin should not have dominion over you. Sin should not be your Lord. So let me ask you this morning this question. Who or what is Lord of you? Who or what is Lord of you? Because For many of you, the way you answer that question is, what do you worship? What do you worship? What do you spend your most amount of time on? And wherever you're spending your most time, that's what you're addicted to. That is what is Lord over you. For some of you, it's worry. You worry, you worry, you worry, and worry is your Lord. For others of you, It's alcohol for others of you. Maybe it's drugs for others of you. It's porn for others of you. It's negativity for others. It's complaining for others of you. It may be something else, but there's something that you're choosing to rule over you. And so the question that we have this morning is this, who or what is your Lord? Who or what do you spend your most time on? Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says this, Repent, then turn to God so that your sins may be, what's the last two words? Wiped Wiped out. Repent, turn to God so that your sins might be actually wiped out. Now, I think most of us get part of this. Most of us do not get all of this. Most of us just kind of get part of this. We mess up, we ask for forgiveness, and then we have every intention to change. It kind of looks like this. God, forgive me for overspending. I promise you, I'm not going to use my credit card anymore. I'm going to cut it up. And then all of a sudden you get to that point and you have every intention to do it. And you admit that you're wrong, but you never turn to God. You never turn it to God. No, we just turn right back to overspending and getting deeper in debt. It might sound like this. God, I'm sorry that I got drunk. I know I really need to work on this. I'm trying to go to church. I'm trying to do the right things. So God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me for doing that? That we have every intention in our life to change, but then we don't turn to God And the next week or the week after that, we find ourselves drinking a little bit too much. And it's like this gravitational pull that is pulling us in, that keeps us from doing what we desire to do, what we think God wants, but we're pulled away into it. You see, folks, the key is not just asking God for forgiveness. And saying that we're sorry, but it's actually turning everything around to God. And to say, God, this is it. I'm giving you everything. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. It's the hardest thing to do in your life. But if you have the guts to do it, if... We fight with all of our might to overcome the addiction and we turn to God. Not only does he promise to wipe away our sins, but look what else it says. The scripture says this, that times of, what's the next word? Refreshing. That times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Times of refreshing will come to the Lord, will come from the Lord. Folks, What do you need to be refreshed in? Would you say that we need to be refreshed? Yeah. Like it's important to be refreshed. And for some of you, the truth is, is that you are sitting here and what you want more than anything else is peace. You want freedom. You want the ability to walk through your life not being overwhelmed and anxious and addicted to whatever it is. And so what I've been praying about over the past couple of weeks for every single one of you is I've been praying that some of you, today would be the day that you would make a commitment and say, God, each day I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to turn over my addiction to you. So that what? So that you can be refreshed. You could actually have new life. Okay, so the first step, if you want to master your addiction, is what? To what? Turn to God. Turn to God. Here's the second one, and it's this. To share the final ten. You turn to God, and the second step to master your addiction is to share the final ten. Jesus' brother James, who knew Jesus as well as anyone, said this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. In other words, the way this happens is, I'm going to share some of the junk of my life to you, then you're going to share some of the junk in your life to me, and then we are going to pray for each other. But why in the world would we do this? Well, it's the very last part of this verse. It says, so that you may be healed. That you may be healed. You see, this is the thing. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another so that we might have healing. Healing. Chuck Mock, who's one of our elders and pastors and one of my closest friends, for the past 14 years, we have been committed weekly to doing accountability with one another. Now, the first four years, I would say that we shared 90% of our life. And we kind of held back, which people tend to do. And then we came to a point where we said, you know what, we're going to share it all. The last 10%. And so for the last 10 years, we've shared the last 10% all the time. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Whatever it is, we're committed to sharing that. Now, I want you to know, I don't tell the last 10% to everyone. I tell it to Chuck. Not everyone else needs to know. But someone needs to know because as I do that, healing comes to my life. And I do that for him, and he does that for me. You know, it's pretty easy if you think about it for you to share 90% of your life. But the really, really hard thing is to share the last 10. It's really hard to do that. But I want you to know that if you want to overcome your addiction, if you want to master it, you have to learn to share the final 10%. Because your spiritual enemy would want nothing more than for you to just share 90% and hide the other 10 for the rest of your life. Never bring that last 10 to the light. Just keep it in the dark. But if you do that, folks, you will never receive total healing in your life. You've got to share the final 10. Folks, I know that sharing the final 10 is tough. And it's difficult for every single one of us. Uh, Many times I'll share the final 10 with Chuck and then I'll think, oh man, he's going to think less of me. He's going to say, you know what? You're not even worthy to be a pastor for what you just shared right there. Like there's nothing that you could say. And yet that's not what happens. He brings something to me, but as I bring it to the light, I find healing in the midst of that. Now, if you want to overcome an addiction, here are some factors to consider. The first one is this. You need an accountability partner. You need someone like a Chuck in your life. But be careful who you pick. Don't just pick anyone. Don't pick even your best friend. Pick someone, I would say, first of all, who is a Christian. Someone who has the same values that you're trying to have so that they can be pursuing the mind of Christ as you are. Secondly, pick somebody of the same gender. Don't pick somebody of the opposite gender and go, oh, well, they're really going to, you know, be great when I talk about lust. No, they won't be. You need to talk to somebody who you struggle with that. It, It creates too many layers when you do it with someone of the opposite sex. And then finally, you pick someone who can be honest with you, that They can share the hard truth with you, even when it hurts. I'll never forget one time. It was about year five, so we're sharing the last 10%. And I taught that Sunday, and we met on a Wednesday. And uh, I was kind of discouraged. The teaching didn't go so well. So I went to Chuck, and I said, hey, Chuck, what did you think of the teaching? And this is what he said. He said, well, it was good, but it wasn't great. (laughs) Actually, it was just kind of, meh. Blah. I was like, thanks for the honesty with friends like that. Who needs enemies, right? And yet, you know, I'm so grateful that I have someone in my life who tells me truth. Who actually sees the blind spots in my life and isn't afraid to tell me when they see that. Because this is the truth about our relationship as well. There's other times when I'll come and I share the last 10% and I feel so much shame. And I can't believe what I did or what I said or what I thought. And Satan would want me to live on an island of shame forever. And when I share that, all of a sudden, instead of judgment, Chuck is there and he'll encourage me. And he shows love and he shows grace and he builds me up in the midst of that. And this is what happens, folks. Healing takes place. So, find an authentic accountability partner. Secondly, create a climate of acceptance. Create a climate of acceptance. Folks, when Chuck and I meet, we are on even playing ground. There's no, like, super spirituality or, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. It's just two guys... Who are trying to love God, but get it wrong sometimes. And sometimes they get very jacked up. And when they come together, they share the final 10% and it's hard. And this is what the evil one wants us to do. To just stay and to not continue to share. But when we share and it's not out of judgment and the person's there, we can extend grace and love and mercy. We have permission to share the last 10% without judgment, without judgment. Last factor you need to share is this in the final 10 is to keep it in the room. The way that this thing will go off the rails if you share anything else with anyone else that's in that room. What is said in the room stays in the room. Absolute confidentiality and trust. Like I said, this is risky stuff. People are scared to death. You're scared to even think about it right now. Who could I share the last 10%? And they would keep it to themselves. God, though, will bless you if you do that, and you'll find healing that you never knew you could find in your life. Folks, you cannot master your addiction on your own, and neither can I. Don't buy into that lie. Don't say, oh, I can do this, I'm strong enough, I can do it. No, you can't. Everything tells us no one ever masters an addiction when they do it by themselves. You need other people. So here's my question for you right now. Who is that person? Who is the person that you could ask to be your accountability partner? I want you to think about that and write down a name before you leave from this place today. Who is it? That God would say, this person is trustworthy enough, they're a follower of mine, we could do this one-on-one. Who is it? Maybe someone in the church, maybe someone that's a friend. Who is it? You write down the name. And for those of you on the stream, you can put it on your phone. Who is that person? Okay, so if you want to master your addictions, first of all, you turn to God. Secondly, you share the final ten, and then the third step is you fight For freedom. You fight for freedom. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says this For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Rather, God gives us other weapons to use. And I'm going to tell you, it is not guns and it is not knives, okay? He gives other weapons. On the contrary, the weapons that we have, Our divine power to demolish strongholds. He gives us divine power to demolish the addictions in your life. Folks, here's the thing. You and I are in a battle. We are in a battle against the evil one, against Satan. And he desires more than anything else to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy you. And this is the way he does it. He says, let's isolate that part of your life. Whatever that last 10% is, let's isolate that. And what I'll do is I'll give you a little bit of alcohol. I'll give you a little bit of lust. I'll give you some porn. I'll give you some food. I'll give you some overspending. I'll give you those things so that you can stay stuck in your addiction." And yet he's given us weapons to fight with. The first one is this, the Bible. You want a a weapon that can fight against your addictions, this is it. Now everybody look up here, if you fell asleep, this is important, all of you on the stream. This is what I need to tell you, is that we have forgotten the power that's in this book. And how do I know that? Because they tell us that the average American has seven Bibles in their house. You have seven Bibles in your house. And the reality is most of them are getting dusty. But the key is to open them up. Folks, the one way that you can always know that God will speak to you is through his word. If you open up, he will speak into your life. This book, folks, is a weapon. It's a weapon against the evil one, and it has the power to change you, it has the power to uh, heal you, and it has the power for you to overcome the evil one. It does. This has power in it. The question is, are you reading it? I can't read your Bible for you. You have to read it yourself, and you're like, well, Chris, that's great, I'm glad that it's a weapon, but... And it can help me to master my addiction, but I don't know where to start. Well, I'm glad you asked, because I can tell you where to start. If you're here today and you don't know where to start, go to Guest Connections. We actually have a, a tool that is a guide for you to start reading the Bible to understand Jesus' story. And for those of you that are on the stream, what you can actually do is you can click on the resources button on the JAR app and the same resources there. And you'll start studying the book of Luke and you'll have power and there'll be freedom that you find. The other weapon is prayer. Prayer. Most people pray. In fact, all of you pray. You know what the number one prayer is? Help! That's what our number one prayer is. And each day when we wake up, we need to wake up, if we're addicted to something, to say, God, I need you. I need your encouragement. I need your power. I need your strength because I can't do this on my own. Some of you are in a fight for your life right now. No one knows the 10%, but you know, and you're fighting for your life big time. And tomorrow morning, what you need to do is to be able to get on your knees in the very beginning and say, God, I can't do this. I need your help, God. I need your help in this area of my life. I'm surrendering it to you. You make a commitment that I don't want my addiction to master me anymore. I want to master it. And the way you do that is by using those two tools, those weapons of a Bible and prayer. Again, if you don't know how to pray, we have a resource back there that teaches you how to pray. For those of you on the stream, just press the resource button and you can do that as well. And you can find healing and you can find freedom in your life. Well, after Holly hit rock bottom on that jail cell floor, it was at that point that she said, I'm ready to surrender. I'll never be able to master my addiction unless I give everything to God. And now I'd like you to hear the rest of her story
0: when i was in jail i called jamie um, i was scared crying i couldn't hear god and i couldn't feel him and so i told jamie and jamie said um, be still and let god move and pray away your fears and after that phone call <clears throat> i went back to my cell and picked up the bible and actually read it for the first time I surrendered my will that day. I gave all my problems and fears to God and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and always submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I prayed that over and over and I would walk the block and I would pray it because I was trying to stay out of everybody's business. I just wanted to do my time and get out of there. And I begged to go to treatment as soon as I came out. So when I came out of jail, I went to treatment 10 days after I came out of jail and I stayed in treatment and then I got my spiritual foundation back um, stronger than ever. I had so many people praying for me from the jar and from other people. Lots of letters, um, lots of encouragement, which was huge. I didn't know I had so many people love me as much as I did coming out of the jar. And without their prayers, I couldn't have done it. And it had to be something greater than me because if it wasn't for God, I would not be sitting here right now. And today I start my day on my knees praying. I journal, I read devotions, I'm over 21 months sober. I attend daily AA meetings and I finally can look myself in the mirror. And I thank God that I'm not the person that I used to be. And I'm proud of me today and drinking is no longer my solution and I am redeemed.
1: Well, God made a way where there seemed to be absolutely no way in Holly's life. And she is living in sobriety and freedom for the first time in her life. And we are so grateful and thankful for what God's doing. But the question is, he made a way for her. And I want to ask you, where is it in your life that you need God to make a way for you? Because the truth is, God is a way-making God. He loves to make a way where there seems to be no way. So where do you need God to make a way? Where is it that you need to be redeemed? Where you need to be made new? Where is it that you can choose to give your addiction to Him and say, today, I'm turning it To him. I'm going to find someone to share the last 10%. I'm going to fight for freedom. That you would cry out to God and say, God, I am so tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting the same results, because that's called insanity, folks. And what you need today is to turn to the way-making God and say, God, you made a way for Holly. I've seen you make a way for other people. Will you make a way for me? And he will because he is a way-making God. So I'm going to invite all of you right now to stand as we celebrate the fact that he can make a way where there seems to be no way. Let's stand.
2: You are here Moving in the midst I worship you I worship you You are here Working in this place I worship you Oh, I worship are, Waymaker, Miracle Promise Keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, you are, Waymaker, Miracle Promise Keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, healing every heart, I worship you. Turning lights around. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop singing that every go. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel it, you working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel it, you working. Never stop, never stop working, never stop. You are a rainmaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is. You
1: Let's pray. God, uh, we thank you so much that you truly are our way maker, God. That you find a way where there seems to be no way. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, you're moving. And today, maybe there are some of you that you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you were honest, you would say, man, I am just bound by an addiction. I'm bound by negativity. I'm bound by gossip. I'm I'm bound by complaining about other people. I'm I'm bound by alcohol. I'm bound by pornography. I'm, I'm bound by, you know something else where you're yelling at your kids all the time and you're bound by just getting angry and you just can't do it on your own and today in your heart you're like dude i need prayer i need prayer chris i I want this addiction to go i don't want to carry it anymore and if that's you i want to pray with you let me pray right now god i thank you that you have come to overcome every addiction, every struggle that we're dealing with. Would you help each person here who is battling with some addiction today to find freedom in you? Take away the shame. Take away the guilt. Take away their fear, God. Change them. Make them new. Give them a new strength that only comes from you. Now today, maybe there's some of you, you don't even know who Jesus is. You don't have a relationship with Him. You don't know where He's at, but there's a piece of you that wants that relationship today. Because you've been trying to do this life on your own, and you've never felt more lonely or discouraged or addicted than you are today. And your way's not working. You need to have someone bigger than you, greater than you, to make a way because you can't make it. And if that's you today, if today's the day where you're like, I want to give my one and only life to Christ, I think He's the only one that can help me master my addiction, and He will be the master of my life, then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together in unity. And so I invite you, if you feel comfortable, to just simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father... I give my life to you. Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you, follow you, and serve you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine.